0: Talking Dice Masters, the beauty of the underlying mechanics, the hidden complexities, and the strategy, tactics, and decisions of competitive play.
1: If you're just starting the game or have been here since the first set,
0: hopefully you'll find something in this show that'll do you some good. So shake up your bag, reconnoiter your opponent, and get ready to roll. Welcome back, ye who sling dice, to Season 1, Episode 6 of Rollin' Thunder. A lot of stuff has happened since the last episode, but of note, we now have a street date for X-Men Forever, which is May 22nd, so keep your eye
1: out for that. And we also have a confirmation of Dice Masters U.S. Nationals, which will
0: be taking place middle of June in Columbus, Ohio, at Origins Game Fair. That's right. Plenty of fun to be had there, folks. So if you have the opportunity, please come and join us. We're going to be there, and looking forward to rolling with all of you. They also announced Dice Masters World
1: sometime between september and december if i were a betting man i'd say it's probably going to happen at pax U on the december side of things because that's where it was last year but But we cannot be certain
0: yeah and the big news there is that they're separating the two events again so there's going to be nationals and then there's going to be worlds and they also said that there are going to be national championships around the world so hopefully all you folks outside of the u.s get a national championship as well but before all of that we've got the One Big Weekend online tournament coming up. So, all of the 2019 One Big Weekend local events are now
1: in the record books. Which means all of the top two finishers from each of the local events are now qualified to play in the One Big Weekend final, which is taking place on April 27th
0: online. Or April 28th, if you happen to be in Australia. And you have until April 13th to sign up. Now, All kinds of details on the tournament can be found in the show notes for today's episode at rollandthunder.xyz forward slash 106 for Season 1, Episode 6, and at rollandthunder.xyz forward slash OBWO for One Big Weekend Online. But to answer the main questions, it's going to be 2018 Modern Constructed, but here's the twist, no blind product. So all team packs from Doctor Strange through Mystics and Doom Patrol are legal. All campaign boxes from Turtles 2 through Justice are legal. All promos that would be legal in 2018 Modern are legal for this tournament, as well as the starter sets for Iron Man War Machine and Superman Wonder Woman. The only thing that's out is blind product, which includes the basic actions from those sets. So that's the format.
1: Now, as to how the tournament itself is going to be run, we really want to keep this to a one-day affair, and because it's a worldwide event, that limits us to the total number of games that we can actually run in one day. Because of this, we've decided to run a Ministry of Dice style Swiss event, which effectively means six single games for each contestant. As of recording, we don't know the total number of entrants, but as you can infer, we're anticipating six rounds.
0: So what do you do if you're qualified? Well, the first thing is to either sign up for the tournament or let us know if you're not able or interested. As we mentioned before, each of the local qualifications can pass down, and we'd like to offer the people behind you a shot if you're not able to roll with us. Contact your local TO if that's the case, and if you can do it sooner rather than later, we'd really appreciate it. Again, you can find the link to sign up for the event at rollandthunder.xyz forward slash OBWO. So, I'm assuming we've got a bunch of people who are new to online Dice Masters play out there, some of whom might be qualified for this tournament, or might be possible alternates in the event, who'd like to know more about what it takes to get up and running with the online Dice Masters scene. Well... You're in luck because before we get into our special guest interview for this episode, we're going to dedicate the opening section of it to how to play Dice Masters Online. And to help us dig into the nitty gritty of that subject, we've invited not one, but two of the leading experts in the field. Please welcome Stephen D.M. Armada Cookus and Troy Yort Miller from the Dice Coalition. All right, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Oh, I mangled that already. Cut it. We'll do it in post. Don't worry. Okay, we'll fix it in post, as we always do. Welcome to the show, guys. You, you
2: like almost stuck the landing. It was so good. I was so solid. Also, I, I'm I'm glad to hear that I'm an expert in the field. How does that make you feel, Troy?
3: Oh, uh, yeah. That's what I tell everybody. It's on my business cards. Expert in the field. Of online dice masters. There you go. All right. Well, let's just dive right in.
0: Steven, I know you were an early proponent of playing Dice Masters Online. And not only that, you made an excellent video on the subject appropriately titled How to Play Dice Masters Online. I went simple with
2: it. I thought that was the best (laughs) mode.
0: Google loves you, my friend. First of all, where can one lay eyes on this this awesome video?
2: So I produce a, a YouTube channel called DM Armada. And I do a bunch of different types of videos, but uh, that one you can find fairly easily by just Googling it or by going to the YouTube page and then Googling it on the YouTube
0: page and it should pop right up. And for those of you listening while driving around, I put a link in the show notes as well and made an easier to remember link, which is rollandthunder.xyz forward slash online which will take you to it as well. If you're driving, you should not go to that link right now. (laughs) It's a terrible (laughs) idea. All right. Let's talk about probably one of the first questions that always comes up, I'm assuming, when when people talk about this, is like, what kind of equipment do you need to make this work? Sure. Um, So
2: this is the list that I have, and I just threw this together. So the first things first, you need a webcam. The popular models of webcam include something like a Logitech C270, which is really, really cheap models, 20 bucks. I had it laying around um, when I first picked up Dice Masters online. Um, The nicer model Logitech that most people use is a C920, which is like I found it for about 60 bucks. Mm -hmm. It's really, really good picture quality. Highly recommend it. I actually use it to record all of my videos, any gameplay that I do. I, I do with the Logitech C920. You can check out the videos and see the quality for yourself. Oh, I should say you can technically use like your phone with, you know, the little video chat possibility. I've seen some people like set their phone on uh, just anything that holds it up and just kind of like dangle it precariously above the (laughs) mat Um, and it worked fine. uh, So that's a possibility as well.
3: We've also got some very elaborate setups like uh, PK had a a PVC pipe setup of some kind that he was using.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, the, the, the MacGyver style. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm sure some of these iPhones and things and these new Android stuff, uh, the cameras are actually pretty good, so... It might work fine, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I would, I would say, I mean, if, if people are debating, you know, dipping their toe in, you can certainly start with a tablet or a phone just to see if this sort of thing is for you before you, you know, invest some money. Right. Uh, once you get into it, you're more than likely going to want a webcam just because of ease of use, but mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can make it work without.
0: Definitely. Yep.
2: Very good point. Outside of that, you just need a computer, desktop, laptop, doesn't matter. I've used both. Mm-hmm. An internet connection is a big one. And then a Google email account, if you plan on doing things through Google Hangouts, which is a free website that you can use to do video chats back and forth. If you don't want to use that, you can use things like Skype. You can use Discord, which is another free app. It's a website as well as a a
0: sort of a desktop online app. Um, All of those are are usable. Awesome, okay. Any advice about like say lighting and framing and once you've got the camera and you're setting it up, How much of your board do you actually really want to make sure you're recording for this? Sure.
2: I have done it a lot of different ways. Troy, you've done it a different than I have, and uh, I've seen a lot of people do it a lot of different ways as well. Do you want to start, Troy?
3: Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people just put it on their normal play mat with all eight cards and basic actions and everything, but other players like to see more of the dice, and so they'll just do more of a close-up of the field zone and attack zone and reserve pool and all that sort of stuff and then send the, the teams via a link or something so somebody can have that on a second screen. And then... i I don't know where i got this from but i learned from somebody i've just kind of put my cards on the edges of the screen so it's still kind of zoomed in towards the reserve pool in the field area so you can see the dice a little bit better but then you can kind of see the tops of the cards as a reminder of which ones are on the team and the the best way is really just to ask if you forgot what the other person has you just say hey what globals did you bring or you know which version of shriek is that you know whatever people are always happy to to explain
0: yeah exactly cool yeah as i mean listening to you guys talk about this it seems like it really might be helpful to get that team information in in advance which means having you know that dice coalition team build already and sent to the other player so that you know, in the best case scenario, they can actually build your team on the other side, so they have something to look at. Yeah, they definitely could.
3: Yeah, and I mean, if, if you haven't seen these things before, uh, Dice Coalition and other other people have put together a bunch of tools that are that are really very helpful. The team builder is just great for looking up your team in the first place, but it gives you a link then that has your team, and then that kind of hooks into other places. So on Discord, you can use Steve's bot and post your link in there, and it'll put up all the pictures of your cards and the and the Discord chat for people to see, you know, what you're playing. There, there's a lot of synergies that make it easy to use once you kind of get into the ecosystem
0: cool and then to make a point too you're, you're going to need to use that to create a team for this tournament anyway to give to the tournament organizers so that they can know what your team is and have it logged in as well
3: right yeah and uh, most people who are running tournaments these days do that just to make it easy on themselves it, just because it's right. i mean it's really just very easy so
1: is there anything else that you do differently beforehand that you might not do at your flgs
2: For me, I do a few things differently that I don't do in person with someone. The most important thing for me, and this is something that I appreciate whenever I play somebody online that does this as well, is like shaking your bag on camera and pulling on camera. It just makes it like a peace of mind thing for your opponent where you know nothing is going wrong. Everybody's like got the same amount of information. Everybody's in the same place and you feel a lot more camaraderie. If everybody knows that here's my bag, here's what I'm shaking, here's what I'm pulling and that's what I drew. Um, So I have made it a habit to put the bag literally below the camera as it hangs out and then just shake it
0: and pull from there. How about with the backs and, you know, being able to buy your opponent's actions? How do you guys handle the action die double back situation I
3: usually forget to uh, bring extra (laughs) basic actions to the table and then I have to say "Uh, just a second give me a minute I gotta go run get some." (laughs) about halfway through the game
0: so coordinating colors like that is probably a good thing to do
3: yeah you
2: just say I've got blue and green you've got red and yellow and then I keep a just a a stack of random dice because I'm disorganized in general (laughs) on my desk uh, just strewn about so I just kind of like fish around for a oh there's a red die cool I'm gonna buy that one Thing and then throw it in. I used. Um, I don't actually take out my opponent's team and throw it down on the table. I just use dice coalition link, or I just talk to the friend that I'm playing. Because oftentimes you're just sitting and casually playing a game. At least I would. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. it's just like, hey, what do you have over there? Oh, what's that global again? That's going to beat me. Okay, I got to make sure I use that really <laughs> quick. Yeah, I don't put the right. cards out.
1: So what do you do if you have technical difficulties during the game? Say your internet
0: goes down or something. <laughs> Troy, what do you do?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> then you
3: go get something to eat, I guess, uh, if your internet goes down. These days, it's usually pretty seamless unless your internet actually goes down. But if, if something's going wrong with the video, you'll usually pop on either the Discord channel or, or Messenger or whoever, however you've arranged the uh, meet in the first place and let them know you know this is what's going on and if you can't resolve it then usually you just kind of come back another day or if you're in a your tournament then you know you'd have to forfeit that round but we don't see too much of that these days i, mean, I know in the early days there's probably a lot more of that but do you run into that too much, Steven? I
2: had it happen a, a couple of times in a tournament situation, and we did just wait and resolve it, pick up where we left off. I think it's important to, the moment you have some sort of a question or issue to pause what you're doing, even if you're in mid-turn or if it's your opponent's turn, just don't move anything, don't do anything, and just be kind of considerate of what you would like if, if you were dropping you know, on their end. Just don't mess with anything and just be considerate of what it looks like and you know, what they can see and what they
0: can't see. Oh, that's great. That's good advice. Yeah, and and then the other advice, of course, and within that that you mentioned, Troy, I think we should really stress is have a alternate form of communication, whether it's a uh, text message, even you know, just to reach out if there's something goes down, internet wise. Send out the carrier right. pigeon. Yeah, <laughs> mm, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> message
2: in a it's bottle. Got to get the <laughs> unladen swallow.
3: And keep in mind too, when you're playing online, uh, most of the tournaments that are run run default rounds of either 35 or 40 minutes or something like that so that they they bake in five or 10 minutes of you are online you're going to have to take some extra time to connect you're going to have to take some extra time to communicate through what level your dice might be on or whatever or or you might go down and have to reconnect you know so they kind of bake that in with that expectation so you know if it does happen you don't have to worry about that, that you're losing out in your 30 minutes, you've already got a little bit of buffer in there,
0: right? You guys had mentioned before we got we started, hit record. You were talking about some of the impediments to people playing uh, for the first time online. Can you address some of those and maybe ease some of the fears that people might have about trying out online dice masters?
3: Yeah. Um, the first time is always the hardest, <laughs> because it's <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> That's There's really no other way to say it. it. It's not something that people do in their normal day-to-day. If they're playing a game online, they're usually used to you know, playing a video game or something like that, or they're playing in, at their local store or on their kitchen table. And this is kind of blending the two. And so most people that I talk to are just, you know, a little nervous about not knowing exactly how to do it or making a mistake or doing something wrong or breaching some sort of etiquette or or to be honest i mean there there is a little bit of the you know oh i'm i'm going to play against arge <laughs> or i'm going to play against dm armada like uh man they're going to steamroll me or or whatever and most of the time after the the first game that they try it it's just completely normal after that everybody online is really very friendly even even you know the top players are are happy to to help people get into the the rhythm of things and help them improve as players and as online players for sure and you know most of the time there's people that are willing to hop on outside of a tournament just meet up some night uh, for 10, 15 minutes just to just to walk through the setup if, if that would make you feel better, um, yeah. just to walk through the ropes.
0: Yeah, and and I wouldn't, you know, again, not worry too much about it. I know some people are worried about having their errors memorialized for all time, but, you know, really we've all done it and we've all made a lot of mistakes and, and making mistakes is the best way to improve as a player. I, I really believe it's sort of like learning a second language. You know, when you watch a little kid learn a language, they just – jump in they make tons of mistakes they proceed and they just learn so much faster than everybody else you know like adults who are learning i think half the reason adults can't learn languages as fast as little kids it's just they're they're terrified of making mistakes i would encourage everybody just to let that go and come and play it's it's really there's there's so little judgment in this community that i think yeah and especially
3: on your first game i mean obviously yeah. Nobody's, you could just say, I, this is my first time. I really don't want to be on camera. (laughs) Or, or even if it's your 10th time and you really don't want to be on camera, you just, you just say that. And, and outside of official tournaments, people are rarely recording anyway. But, you know, it's also fun to be able to go back and watch yourself. Do that parallax reroll against Andy and just totally <laughs> screw yourself over and over and yeah. over and over again. And then I if you're really lucky, if you're really lucky, then they do a commentary on it later and then talk about it again.
0: No, but but in truth, being able to analyze your own games is a great way to get better. So having a recording is sometimes really helpful because sometimes you think you've played a perfect game and you go back and look at it and you're like, Ooh, I just missed that. I missed. It wasn't maybe a misplay, but it wasn't the best play. You know, sometimes that happens. So. Having a recording is sometimes really helpful, I think. If it's not the best play, it's a misplay. I appreciate sure the definition <laughs> of misplay is. Uh, Strong oh, words. Oh, okay. right. There's Mr. Black and White across the room there. <laughs> All right. All right, Troy, can you talk to us about like the brackets and how they're going to run in this particular MOD Swiss style?
3: We stole this from the Ministry of Dice folks for the last couple of online tournaments that we did, but their philosophy is just mainly that in some of these tournaments by the time you get to the top cut and the the final round, the very exciting, you know, two titans of the game playing against each other, by that time, you know, everybody else has kind of moved on cuz they're not in it anymore and they've got, you know, especially online, you've got your families and things to go to and and it it ends up being a bit anticlimactic at that end. So instead they just went to a a full Swiss style tournament so that there's incentive to keep playing, you know, through the all six games you're, You're never really out of it. And there's a reason to stick around through the end, and everybody can have the full amount of fun. So that's what we're going through this time.
0: Great. And we're going to, you know, make sure there's good pricing for everybody. So stick around and play.
3: Yeah. And then you still get the variety, too. That's my favorite is, you know, even if I happen to lose the first couple of games, (laughs) then, you know, I'm I'm still having fun the the fifth and sixth game because I get to play a whole new team and, and, See how my team does against that team.
1: So. For sure, for sure. So, can you explain how people are going to move from round to round in this tournament?
3: Uh, sure. So, and and this is basically just based on the last couple ones that we've done, but we've found that once people get into the rhythm of it, that that things go fairly smoothly, and we usually start off doing hour chunks. The first couple of rounds give you plenty of time to get used to how things are rolling, get your games done, all that sort of stuff, and then once things start rolling we can usually move it down to 45 minutes. So people will congregate in the Discord channel in whatever tournament you're playing and you go to that Discord channel and then you'll get your assignments there of who's playing who and then you'll get your table assignments too that you know, go to Dice Coalition Room 1 or DM North Room 2 or whatever and then you'll meet up there, you'll play your game, you go back to the main room, report who wins and then just kind of hang out there while the rest of the games are finishing just like you would in a in a normal flgs maybe get a bathroom break or a snack or something (laughs) Um, and then usually at the top of the hour or or the 45 minutes whenever whatever chunk you're doing then they'll be ready with the new bracket and you'll go do it again
0: great so it seems like the only other thing that i'm hearing that you're going to need if you're going to be in this tournament is you got to be on discord so
3: for this one yes
0: yeah and most people are but if you're not it's easy to join. So make sure you get on to discord. Yeah.
3: And, and I know there'll be a, a few people out there who are like, Oh, I don't want to join Discord, but you can blame me. Um, just because the first few <laughs> ones I ran, I, you know, I was trying to get as many people as possible. And so I accommodated people on every platform and it was just a nightmare for me. Cause I had, to, I had to, yeah. you know, mes- Facebook message this one and text this one and Google message this one and discord message this guy. And it, you know, it's just, yeah. For the organizer of the tournament to maintain their sanity, they just got to pick one, and so uh, this is the one we picked.
0: At any rate, be kind to Troy. <laughs> just just join Discord,
3: please. <laughs> it's just easier to have everybody in the same. So,
0: cool, makes sense. Anything else you guys think one ought to know about or, or be prepared for when playing online that we have missed?
3: Steven, you've been at this longer than I have.
0: I think we've covered a lot of the a lot of the
3: biggest uh, basics
2: that can can help one person who's never done it before take that step and just play a single game. Because once you play that single game, then you just go, okay, well, now let's just run it back and do it a second time. And then you have two games under your belt. And then you just do it you know, 45 more times or whatever, and you're off and running.
0: Yeah, and I liked your guys' suggestion about playing a couple games beforehand. So if you're new to this and you're interested in doing the tournament, I would recommend checking out the Dice Masters Online channel. Facebook has a dice masters online channel, right? Yep, it does. And if you go on there and ask, there's usually somebody who's willing to play a game with you. So you can get up and get a feel for how it works before you get into this, right?
2: Yeah, I play a majority of my games casually. I just I have a few friends that I know would play around this time on this day and I go, "Hey, You want to play just random modern or do you want to play something a little bit more competitive and we get our teams out whatever we want to build and we either shoot a team link to each other or just tell each other what we have and we'll play for like three hours where we just throw a new team down or play that team back again and just go, go, go. It's very casual and you can do it with a lot of different people because there's a lot of different people that are interested. You can check it out on Discord and just say, hey, I want to play a game. You can even post it in the Dice Masters Unlimited Facebook group. I've seen people do that and just hop on. I mean, it's, it's very easy, very approachable. Um, you're not giving away any of your personal information by playing a game over Google Hangouts no more than you would if you went to any single website. I mean, it's very very easy,
0: very straightforward. That's great. That's a good point to make, too. It's
3: literally a click. You just you you click on the link on Dice Coalition or DM North and then it opens it up and you're just there waiting for your opponent. So, and I I would even say uh Weekly Dice Arena is every Tuesday. Even if you don't want to play the first time, you can just hop on there and he does a Twitch stream and you can just watch to get a feel for it. You can watch any mm-hmm. of the YouTube channels just to see how it how it looks with other people, you know, playing online. DM North has a monthly tournament that they do or yeah just just ad hoc see if anybody's around to to check it out.
0: That's awesome. Okay,
3: great. I would say one more thing too. And that, that is just, and Steven can correct me if I'm wrong on, on how he got into this, but the, the way I started on this uh, is basically cause I was too stupid to know that I shouldn't.
0: <laughs> and
3: there's no, there's no governing body or anything like that. Anybody can run an online tournament that you, you can just do it. And that's, that's how I did my first one. I, I was going to miss nationals and I was like, man, I really wish I could experience the, the, thing of nationals so i was like well anybody else who's missing nationals let's come and play online so we did that and it was fun right. and so now you know chris and rob's game room does some tournaments and uh, weekly dice screen all that sort of stuff but i mean if anybody wanted to they could just go on one of the platforms and say hey anybody want to draft you know justice tonight with truby's draft pack generator or and, right. you know, or like steven said do you want to get together and just play around robin with with three other people or whatever nobody's gonna stop you so you can try
2: right on. speaking of either of you have plans for nationals this year i wish i did but uh it's uh one of those things that it was announced and i hadn't planned for it and now i can't uh really plan for it because i've got other stuff that i gotta get sorted so unfortunately not this time i really want to go to one though i want to either play in it or uh you know see if I could work my way into the commentators booth, like just push the people out and just sneak on. (laughs) The the (laughs) easiest
1: way to get into the commentators booth is just get lucky enough to get on the stream or just win enough games, whatever. Get on the stream. And then lose. And then there you go. I can do that. (laughs) I can get on a stream and lose.
2: (laughs) I can very much do that. I'll wait till one of them goes on a bathroom break and I'll just kind of sit down and say seat take. I
0: think people still say that. I had one opportunity to do that and it was so tough for me because my old man eyes, like I really couldn't see what was happening on the screen. So I was like trying to read the faces I couldn't even tell what dice were in there it was a small little screen I was looking so hard and I must have sounded like an idiot because I'm just guessing what's happening I forget somebody was like flashing hand signals at me trying to say there's like a (laughs) Yanti on the board or something I I was so completely lost (laughs) so careful what you wish for there Stephen
2: Oh, I love commentating. It's so much fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to see you there if you can make it, man. It's a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, I, I got to go to Worlds last year, but my Nationals plans are uh, two of my three kids have birthdays that week, so ooh, probably won't ooh. see Nationals until they grow up <laughs> just a little bit, and I can convince them that that's their birthday present. Yeah, I was going to say, there that's a go. good there birthday go.
2: party. Just
3: yeah. hook it them up. It is.
2: It is. That's the
3: plan. They
1: all interested in Dice Masters or no?
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, the, the two youngers play with me more often than the older one. He's, you know, off running around outside usually but i was just playing uh dice masters with them yesterday they wanted to to draft some draft packs so they convinced me to use my store points at the, the <laughs> lgs to, to buy some draft packs that were on sale so we did two tomb of annihilation and i'm in a thor draft oh that's pack.
0: awesome so origins is like steroids for that right so they're yeah. birthday galore right and
3: I pulled a UNT Super Ooh, Air. There you, there you go. go. There a little go. too late, but I got one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just in time for her to get the boot out the back door here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, at this point, I'd like to take this opportunity, Troy. You know, you, you mentioned I want to give you a giant thank you from the community for all you've done just to help set up this whole online Dice Masters lo- tournaments and all the logistics that go down because you've been responsible for a lot of the big tournaments that have happened to date. And... Uh, you know, we want to give you a collective tip of the hat to you.
3: Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. And and of course, I have to acknowledge Stephen as the, sort of the grandfather and admit that most of I'm doing this for selfish reasons because I just want to play. <laughs> hey, that's the way to do it. That's how it all starts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Troy, I return you to your loving wife and your wonderful three kids, and you are free for the evening, my friend. All right. Thanks a lot,
3: guys. <laughs> Looking forward to the tournament.
0: You're the best, man. Bye. So that leaves you, me, Luke and, and uh like Blastar here chilling in the outer reaches of the neutral zone. Now that got Troy has right. left us <laughs> left- rid of Tanger. <laughs> sorry
1: cat, but he's gone.
0: And I have to say this whole special intro to the show has messed up our, you know, traditional guest intro here, but I think to the Dice Masters community, you're a man who needs no introduction. I mean, you're at the helm of the DM Armada itself,
2: right? I don't know. I kind of liked the uh, intro you guys gave to Ben. I was, I was hyping myself up for it. I was, I was getting ready to hear the music right. in my head right. while you did it. All right.
0: All right. Are you ready? Just sort of, okay. Okay. Yeah, go, 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 do it. it. Alright. Lucan, are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. <laughs> Alright. On the show tonight... Hailing from the great state of Texas, a voice that will dumbfound you with deja vu and shock you with surprise. A second place finisher in the 2018 Roll of the Wild WKO in Austin, Texas. The brewer of the dreaded King Blackbolt Rare Cosmic Cube combo. A legend in the community, and the Admiral at the helm of the DM Armada itself. I give you. The prophet of prudence, Mr. Steven DM Armada
1: Cookin. He has over 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. So people who say that Dice Masters is dead.
2: Ha ha! <laughs> Dude, <Take> that that. <laughs> that did not that did not quite stick on that last part. Why you gotta say it like that? One thousand it's like okay, yeah, we gotta do uh, that. Oh, uh, whoops. Uh, well, no, like no, because uh, uh, dice masters is dying. With generosity, we
1: have a player base of two hundred people. I'm like, well, uh, Stephen Cook has got one thousand subscribers, so ha And
0: then they're just like
2: boom, eh, boom. Then no words, nothing. <laughs> but in all honesty,
0: your 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 videos are awesome. And uh, I've I pretty much probably watched. I, I think I may have watched everyone. I, I, I literally every time they come up, I'm like really very excited. I to have go not away. watched the uh, the, well, the KeyForge. I Key haven't have, yeah. have watched the KeyForge, but anything that has to do with Dice Masters, I've been into. So I have to say that I could say if you've watched every Dice Masters video, then
2: you have spent a lot of time <laughs> listening to my dulcet tones. <laughs> indeed, so indeed. I apologize for all of the times that I stumbled over my words and or anything else but thank you for your patronage.
0: Believe me, no apologies necessary. <laughs> You're talking to Mr. Marblemouth Mouth himself. So I know how hard it is to put a sentence together, my friend.
2: <laughs> I've spent a lot of time editing a lot of mine out. I'll just put it that way. And uh, <laughs> if I would have just left most of them in, then I might not be at the meager 1000 subscriber <laughs> mark people be like what is he saying i can't understand i'm just going to move on to some cat videos or something just kind of shift over and leave that behind me but yeah i spend a lot of time editing
0: videos no it's awesome and uh, it's really helpful for the community as a whole so i want to just put out a big thank you for that
2: right well that was the goal that. from the beginning is uh, i liked this community so much and i wanted to wanted to make stuff that got people that aren't in it in it and then i wanted to make stuff that people were in it I wanted them to enjoy it. So that was the goal.
0: Cool. And just to hit this one more time, if people are new to this, where can they go find all your videos? You can find all of the videos on YouTube
2: at youtube.com slash DM Armada. I'm pretty sure that's the link. I should know this. It's two and a half years later and I should I should probably know <laughs> if that's exactly the link. But if you go to YouTube, you can search DM Armada, all one word, and it should pop up there. You can do it on uh, Google as well. Just Google DM Armada and you can find all the stuff.
0: Cool. Well, I you know Lucan wanted to specifically point out your "How to Build a Team" video because he thought that was awesome, especially for a newer player. Yeah, can you can you go over the highlights of that one for us? Oh, sure. Yeah, I can do that.
1: Uh, it's just sort of like a thing that we haven't formally covered on the show yet, and it's it's super important. And you did a great video on it. So
2: totally. So whenever I sit down to build a team, I think it's very easy to build. Really, really fun sort of casual theme kind of things by just taking characters that have worked together in comics or that you wanted to see work together and just kind of smashing them together. But if you want to build a team that has a little bit more general overall power or synergy, I think there's a couple of categories that you at least at the very least consider when you're putting together a team. And if not, just follow it exactly to the list. I don't think I'm a perfect team builder by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't have the accolades to hold myself up as that in the first place. So I I don't think I'll ever pretend to say that. But I build a lot of teams because I like to tinker. And so for me, these are my categories, right? So number one, you need some way to win the game. So a win condition of either one to three cards is a a good starting place. It's good to know where you want to go with your team. Uh, You don't have to start with your win condition. You can start with pieces that are interesting to you. So a card that seems really cool or a card that you want to mess around with an in interaction. Those are great places to start as well. But eventually you're going to have to sit down and go, okay, this is all well and good, but how do I kill the guy sitting across from me? <laughs> um, because if I'm just drawing a bunch of dice, rolling them and then like chuckling to myself, eventually I'm just going to lose if I don't have a way to win. Right. So one to three cards for a win condition is, is really solid, especially when you're in an eight card game good advice from that point then you need to look at some good supporting cards that support that win condition so if you have like a one card win condition and i think in this video this was right around the time that batman was just released and so i used Owlman as an example which is funny because uh, i'm probably going to talk about him a couple more times while we talk because i love that card right but owl man is a really cool card that gives your villain character dice plus one plus one while it's active and then when he attacks he does an additional plus one plus one buff
0: and he's the super rare of the bunch of them and right? he yeah, there is there yes that's
2: the super rare of the bunch. Really cool finisher, kind of win condition, buffs all your other villains. It lends itself to creating something around it, right? And he doesn't give himself the buff, right? That was the one downside with him, right? No, exactly. He's a crime syndicate affiliated character. So he doesn't give himself those plus one or plus one when he attacks buffs. But all the villains get them. Right. So if you're wanting to build a team with him as a win condition, you have to put villains on that team. So. Looking at the possible villains that are within the the meta, you can pick a few villains and you kind of have to think about, okay, well, do I want expensive things or cheap things? All of that comes with the team building process. But you need supporting cards if, to make this win condition work. And often you need supporting cards to make most win yep. conditions work. Looking at you guys as teams, you might consider the uh, super rare mimic as a support card. You yeah. might consider. Well, he'd be mean with a plus know two if he, plus
0: two for everybody, right? So Exactly, and, you know. The right? other thing that just struck me is you know, Owlman, was, like, you don't see a lot of people playing him. But you know, with that Malekith, the uncommon Malekith that makes all the sidekicks villains and already mm-hmm. gives them plus one. Boy, that's a mean yep. pairing, right? And that's all my list of things that I, I wanted to test but never sat down and did.
2: Yeah. But uh, he's got some other really interesting pairings with some of the newer stuff, too. <coughs> Nevertheless, after support cards, then you sort of look at blankers or control cards, things that allow your win condition to thrive unimpeded. Because your opponent uh, is obviously not just going to let you punch them in the face. And if they do, then good for you. You get a free win. But uh, they're going to probably be playing something that has some sort of a control or at least a piece on there that could slow you down. So you want to consider what you might see either in your local meta or just what are really powerful cards in general that you need to worry about and then plan accordingly for those. So like one to two control pieces.
1: Yep. I I prefer to categorize it into the three forms of control, right? So you have the impeding control control. You have the protecting control and then you have the removal. And in my experience, you don't need all three. You usually only need two. For example, in my world's team with Fix It, I did not use streak, but I did have Wonder Woman who protects me from global abilities mm-hmm. and the Black Widow who does the force attack for removal. Exactly. It's the convention to have all three pieces and it's good, it's standard, and it, it works well. But it's not always necessary.
2: And did you also run Hellfire Club or no?
1: No, I, I did not. With uncommon fix it, that's when I use Hellfire Club.
2: And see, that's another great point. What you said of there's a bunch of different types of control cards. And you know, Hellfire Club is another type of control card in the in the board wiper removal sort of thing. And I, I love that what you just said. The idea of looking at the different controls that you would be needing on your team in comparison to what you need on a different team, because the wind condition sort of designates what type of control uh, works best with it
0: for sure and how fast your win condition is too like you may not need certain forms of control if your team is set up to kill very quickly right i mean exactly <laughs>
1: the opposite way like for example with your owl man team it definitely lends itself to control right because you have all these great villain control cards blob shriek mm-hmm. yeah what have you all that It it lends itself to
0: it. You can slowly step your way into it and get really nasty. That sounds great. Okay, cool. So I'm sorry, but we've interrupted you. You were in the phone. So you got control. And was there any other pieces left in that video?
2: Another very, very important thing I haven't mentioned is things like ramp. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being able to draw more than four dice and pay more than four energy a turn is almost paramount in this game just because you don't have very many other ways outside of ramp or churn to get to those things turn doesn't even get you more than four dice so ramp is an important consideration some teams don't need it to the same extent that others do some teams are basically lost without it so things that draw you more dice and roll you more than four the standard four on a turn are always worth considering
0: especially if you've got big expensive characters if you need to get to a seven cost you better kind of consider how you're going to get there right yeah Definitely. Yeah,
1: the other thing that i found is really important for especially teams that need to go fast, and I think I've, I have something like this on the majority of my competitive teams, is a consistency maker. Uh-huh. So like an energy fixer, parallax, yep. and, and sometimes that can go hand-in-hand hand with ramp or churn because the more dice you're drawing, the more chances you're having to get what you want. So the line there is a blurred, but a consistency maker is also very important.
2: Good point. Well, and the one you didn't mention was a bag fixer, which is a mm-hmm. consistency maker. And that's one of the most important things yep. in the entire game is bag management because it's an odds game, right? You're playing a, a game with probabilities. And if your probabilities don't go your way, the first roll, you need a way to get that die again, so that you can roll it again, right? maximize the amount of times that you can set yourself up in a, a range, and you're
0: more likely to hit that range. Yep. And learning how to manage your bag is one of the hardest and kind of takes the longest. I think this it's one of the skills that oh, just kind cool. of develops over time. I if think.
1: you're a new player, you need to just start with just resurrection or just villainous pact or just Atlas and then when, when you're getting used to setting your bag in a good rhythm with just that global, throw in a clay face, throw in a Heimdall, mm. throw in a cake that can start taking things out and manipulating that, and so then you can have a more perfect 5-in, prep 1, 4-out.
0: And yep. there are unwritten rules in these things. You know, I remember JT used to talk a lot about, you know, never resurrect on turn 1 because it messes up <laughs> your bag, and it's the kind of thing we see new players do all the time because they think, oh, I got an extra die. Now learn those rules first. And then you have to learn like the next great players, they they get to the level where it's like, they know when to break those rules mm-hmm. too, right? Cause totally. they know what, what's coming down the pike. So there are these rules and they're usually really good. And then there are times to break them. And um, that just comes, I think with experience, but uh, maybe we'll talk more about that in future shows.
2: Well, I think it goes that what you just said goes perfectly into the idea of team building because <laughs> all of these rules that I'm saying can be broken at any time. Like I think the the video that I made is a great example of how to build a casual or semi-competitive team or even like, like low-level competitive team consistently. You can follow those rules and you put some of those things onto your team and you're gonna be pretty good to go. It just comes down to pilot skill. But the further you go up into the higher, higher levels, I think the more little tweaks and nudges and pushes that you get to that formula to where it starts to look a little different because high-level play is so much more focused on the high-level meta, and that's not necessarily what you're going to yeah. sit down to every week.
0: Yep, and 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 things get out of balance because they have to be out of balance at that top level, you know? <laughs> exactly. Because you're, you're taking more risks because everything is just happening more intensely, I yeah. think.
1: A big part of that is just knowing where you're going and knowing what other external factors are going to play into what t- sort of team you should bring not talking about like just like format but like knowing that the matchups could hugely affect your standing if there's a certain card that thwarts you but you don't have enough slots to fix it or if you put on the card that fixes this problem it's just going to slow your whole team down just you might want to forgo that essential piece of protection and cross your fingers that you don't run into that <laughs> blink transmutation like I did at Worlds just cross your <laughs> fingers that you don't run into that static field or whatever And it it might turn out well for you, or you might get totally destroyed. But (laughs) there's a solid chance that it'll turn out well for you, especially if it's not like a super meta card you're
2: worried about.
0: So what made you start your YouTube channel back in the day?
2: I was watching YouTube videos of Dice Masters, anything I could find. There was like one person making YouTube channels of him playing on Hangouts, go figure, and it was just game after game after game. Some of them were more competitive. Some of them were more casual. And I like ate that stuff up because that's what I do. I don't watch TV, really. I watch YouTube videos. That's just my pastime, I guess. And so I watched a ton of it right after I pick up the game. And I thought to myself, well, I've watched every video (laughs) and I don't have any more things to watch. And I thought to myself, there's probably somebody out there who's done the exact same thing and has now moved on to something else. Right. I wish there were someone making YouTube videos consistently so that I could watch them <laughs> Like personally. I was <laughs> so I could watch something else because I want to watch more of this. This is fun to watch. Right. And I don't quite understand all the interactions, but the more I watch, the more I kind of get it. And so right. I thought to myself, I, I, if I got a camera and if there are people willing to play online, I don't mind getting stomped a lot so that other right. people can watch and, and play this game. And so I did, I, I sat down and my kid's room and I pulled up a free photo manipulation software that I had installed on my laptop and I started messing around with a logo and I put up a little camera and got a like $20 cheap tripod from best buy with a gift card that was given to me for my <laughs> birthday and i walked up to my little game store and i set up the thing and i was like hey let's play some dice masters don't worry about this camera thing I like, why are you filming this and you know like the very first tournament i went to i went two and two i played a really fun otk team and it went, went off the second to last game in the oh, last cool. game and uploaded it and then just kept doing them it didn't explode or anything there wasn't some huge like outpouring of fame or notoriety I just uploaded videos because I wanted to watch them myself. And
0: I thought people would enjoy them. So that's kind of where it started. That's really, really cool. Did you have a software background before that? Or did you just like literally buy this photo manipulation thing and think, hey, this might be cool to use? Or what was your your background coming into this? Well, it's kind of interesting because in high school, I took
2: like a graphic design class and I did some other computer classes, but nothing to the extent of like well, I know how to code this and make this. Everything was by eye. I'm not formally trained graphic designer. I've just... Done a lot of little projects and a lot of little projects builds your skills slowly. For sure. And so if you watch those first videos, it's very bare bones. I mean, it's a webcam and it's me talking into a mic. Right. And I had a nice (laughs) Yeti microphone that I bought with a gift card that I got for my birthday. Did I mention that? And (laughs) uh, and I for like three months I would go and I would sit down in my living room when my kids were asleep. And I would plug in the microphone and I'd start recording some commentary over this video in straight up Windows Movie Maker, free Windows Movie Maker. It crashed all the time. I paid (laughs) zero for it. If I had overlays, I would go into this photo manipulation program and I'd like type out a couple numbers and export it in this file size that I needed and just drop it in a Movie Maker. Three months later of doing that, three months, I finally realized i out of all of those videos never actually turned the microphone that I'd been plugging <laughs> on on so the stinking like audio was like low quality cuz it was coming through my laptop's oh, microphone Yeah, no, I'm telling you, it's a it's a comedy show. Those first couple of months of videos, but I made them anyway, and people watched them, and no one cared
0: because people want to watch the game. It's a fun game. Yep, you learn how by doing, and that's what I was trying to explain to people. Like this game, somebody asked me recently, like, why Why is it important that there be a competitive dice masters? You know, why can't it just be a tabletop game? And I mean, sure, it could be a tabletop game. It's a great game, Um, but I think the game itself lends itself to competitive play. I think it's the aspect of the fact that. All the stuff is not hidden. It's all there. So if you're watching as a spectator, you can actually enjoy the games from a spectator point of view because there's nothing oh, hidden. 100%. You know what I mean? And it's actually a really great game. I think that's why it lives well on YouTube or you know, it's mm-hmm. funny, every time I get, if I get knocked out at a tournament sometime, I'm the guy who's walking around watching all the games because I have almost as much fun watching other people kind of wrestle with each other intellectually over the board. Totally. Um, also,
1: it's one-on-one. Like one-on-one games have always been the prime thing for competitive games, you know. Magic, chess, these things are the big competitive games because, you know, they're one-on-one so you can have a very clear-cut bracket and you don't have all this stuff. It's just, also, it's better than other games.
2: I'm sorry, but it is. (laughs) Well, honestly, in in a lot of ways, I find it to be better than other games too. I mean, whenever I describe this to somebody, I describe it in a lot. There's a lot of different ways you can describe Dice Masters. You can describe it as, you know, Magic the Gathering with dice, except you never get mana flooded. Right. My favorite way to describe this game is it's chess at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Because... It plays exactly like chess from a mental standpoint of like, I know exactly what you can do. You know exactly what I can do. There's no really hidden thing if everyone's read the cards. If player skill is about equal, it's so much a chess match of like who can play their probabilities better and who can outthink down the line two turns later or so what kind of eventualities you're going to get by choosing to roll that die or not. It's so awesome.
1: It's That's so where awesome. it gets really complicated as well because there's six options, which then could affect 12 more options right. and so on and so forth. And, and the other thing is the changing it's, great.
0: it's like you're getting a changing battlefield. Unlike chess, where it's the same minefield every time, you know, different moves, yeah. but because there's different cards and stuff and because there's different keywords that are changing, always the battlefield's changing, which I think keeps it fresh and interesting in a way that I that, agree that, that scratches my itch at any rate. I, I don't have to play Agreed. with the same
1: pieces every time you know, I got to change it that. up that's what initially drew me to it because I came from a chess background <laughs> and, and then I came out I was like wait it's like chess but I don't have to play with bishops knights rooks kings exactly. queens and pawns every time it's great you know it's it's replayable I was being to get bored with chess because it's the same thing over and over again so your local scene
2: Texas has a lot of great players maybe a brief history and how it looks today sure so I think when the game came out it was widely accepted throughout texas i jumped on half a year after it came out i think no maybe maybe a little bit further in i was almost uh, a year in Mm -hmm. when i joined but there were huge pockets of play in austin Uh, we had just a ton of great players come out of austin there was a huge following in waco and probably the biggest following i don't know if you could really kind of measure the Austin versus the DFW following. But DFW had just tons of stores all over the place because it's huge. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. They had many great players coming from there.
2: Mm -hmm. I guess there's even, there's even followings in Tyler that are really popular and just sort of all over the place. Even right now there's, there's a group of people that play in college station that only recently got into it maybe in the past year. So it's, yeah, it's, it's been sort of a hub in a lot of ways of, of some like dice masters play Waco When I was still there, it was still going strong. And it's, I think, only gotten stronger since I've left because they've been running events constantly and consistently. And that's been great. Austin sort of died down a little bit. San Antonio had a huge following. I think it was 2017 to 2018. They just started it up. There was a new game store that started up and they just got in wholeheartedly and people were playing like crazy dfw we're still playing up here we had running the one big weekend tournament we had 14 come out and play and that was with like two people that were no shows one person i guess was also no show one guy couldn't make it because he had a slip disc i mean like there's there were like several other people that were interested in coming that through one thing or another didn't make it that could have been a 20 person tournament if uh, everyone shows up so yeah, the the game's dying. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I can't. I couldn't. I yeah, tried to I finish that with a with a good solid, <laughs> with a good solid ending there for you. Yeah. No. It's it's going really well in the DFW area, That's even great. with all of the kind of shifts and moves that the game has taken.
0: Yeah, from my experience where we are in Southern California, it's kind of refinding its footing right now. We've got a lot of new players coming out and some of our old-timers who had kind of moved away for a while, you know, with this new Justice set and they're interested in the new X-Men set coming and so people are coming and sticking their feet back in the water and new people have been coming out so I'm encouraged, uh, honestly What um, I too. see a
1: lot of is, you know, people who when that big flight of blind product came in around that X-Men first class period of time, they're like this is too much and then they left and now the campaign box format, which you know, people who are listeners know that we, we preferred the blind product thing, but the people that that was meant for that couldn't do all the blind product, they're coming back, so that that's good
0: I think so.
2: I agree. I 100% agree. I think that the move was refreshing, and I, I'm hoping that it continues to put them on sort of a very easy-to-meet to, to meet schedule, and uh, it allows players to, to kind of buy in that may have felt too prohibitive uh, beforehand.
0: So between these two scenes, between playing in Texas, which has got a lot of great players, and I know you've played a bunch from just watching these videos online against some of the top players in the world, are there any particular actionable lessons that you've taken? Have you gotten any really good advice from anybody either in your local scene or online, or is there any kind of takeaway that you've taken from when you are playing somebody who's like some of the top level folks, is there anything that really sticks in your mind? Like, wow, I played that and I really learned that.
2: I think I remember most vividly, and it wasn't a specific moment. It was just sort of this thing that kind of built up over playing, For about a month or two over the summer, when I first started out going from sort of a low level player, just picking up the game to where I really felt like I could excel in general, probably the largest lesson that I learned was this combination of really, I guess you could sum it up by saying that managing your bag is like probably the most important thing in this entire game. It's king in this game because, like I said before, everything in this game is all based on ranges and based on probabilities and based on lines of play more so than just about any other game. Because if you're drawn from the top of a deck, it's blind (laughs) and it's random. But in this game, it's not random. There's very few things that are random in this game. Um, They do stick out at times, but you can manage a lot of that and you can kind of see those lines. So if bag management is, one of the most important things in the game, then you should probably avoid overbuying mm. just in general. If you overpurchase, you flood your bag with a bunch of dice that are really cool but <laughs> might not be exactly what you need in that yeah. moment when you draw it. If you can avoid that, then you're you're helping yourself a lot.
1: Yeah, the the catalyst that I think launched me from being a person that lost most of my games to being a person that wins most of my games was just learning moderation mm-hmm. every time. Everything you do, moderation is 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 key in dice masters. Totally, yeah, I'm, and that yeah. way, I guess it kind of reflects life. But Don't, you
0: know, well, like knowing what you need to win, what you need to control, and not buying more than that. Is a discipline that is really hard, especially when you get. We're, we're trained as a kind of a capitalist society that more is yeah. better. You know, it's mm-hmm. really kind of counterintuitive. I think somehow. Oh, totally. I totally
2: agree with that. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, a good look. I think that's a good way to think about it. One of the other things for me that sticks out in this game as opposed to several other types of games or just card games in general, is the idea of range analysis. And this is something that I actually did not fully learn from anybody in this game, but I I would watch a lot of YouTube videos of, of people playing other games, and it lends itself, the idea of range analysis lends itself to a lot of different games. Just the idea of understanding that When you're in a a scenario or in a moment, there's like a bunch of possibilities, a bunch of different possible scenarios at play on your turn. Let's just say it's your turn, right? So you could buy this thing, you could spend energy for globals, you could field this character, and that's just during the main step, right? The idea of taking all of those and seeing all of those as a range from bad to good, kind of slotting them into this is the worst possible outcome (laughs) that I could gain. This is the best possible outcome that I could gain. Now, these are all of the middle outcomes. If you can do that, get a base understanding of probabilities, like if I roll this, I have a one in six chance of getting this side of the die. Just a very basic, uh, I'm terrible at that, but I still have a basic understanding if you can get that understanding and then understand how to put things in ranges of this is what would be good for me, this is what would be bad for me, then the whole game becomes a lot more palatable. You can look at these ranges of outcomes a a lot more easily, and it makes the game a lot more alive to me.
0: Also, the other side of that range is knowing where your opponent is at that point in time, too, because that affects your range. If they're only one to two turns away from smacking you in the face and killing you that affects your range analysis in terms of like, I might have to get more risky or do something more, you know, outside of my win condition just to do a job. And that's,
2: th- that's the very next step. Once you can understand your own team and your own ranges, then you, if you can kind of keep track of your opponent's ranges, then it becomes so much more of a chess match. Like we were talking about earlier, like here's an, here's a scenario, right? Let's pretend that you're like looking for lethal. Okay. And you have a one in six chance. If you roll this die, you know, get this character on its top level that gives you lethal damage. But if you miss, then you can't field a character because you don't have enough energy. <laughs> right. right. Or Very if you practical. reroll the sidekick, then it gives you the energy more possibly. It improves your turn next turn because then you have more chances of lethal, but you don't have it right now. Right. You know, so then you have two different ranges. But then if you miss both of those roles, if you decide to pick them both up, then you have a ton of energy that you can do stuff with, like cycle your bag or yep. grab another purchase, but you don't represent as much damage. So you like look at yourself in that scenario, and you go, well, this one's the best option for me because of this reason, right. and then look at your opponent. It just becomes so much more of a chess match, which is amazing about this game.
0: You know what I also love about that is that it really reflects on who you are as a person so much too, because you hear different opinions on them and neither of them are wrong. Like you have JT who had the idea of like, how could this go worse for me? And he would live with something that was okay sometimes, you know? Yeah. And then you had other, other people who think, I, I forget who it was. It might've been Nick Fam, who was like, you don't win many games by playing it safe. You know, and he would go that way. And both are legitimate. I'm pretty but they sure really
1: it was you who said that. No, it wasn't <laughs> me. <laughs> it
0: You wasn't always not...
1: go like I'm like, you could do this, you could have just done that and you're just like, No, but I had like the one in ten <laughs> chance and I'm just like
0: Well I'm a gambler at heart, but but the, but again, that's the point that it reflects who you are as a person, which I love that that bleeds into the game in a way that mm-hmm. is very practical and probably works and reflects itself in the role somehow too. I mean, no one's going to take away from JT; he was a aw- is aw- was an awesome player, and it worked perfectly for him. Nick Fam worked great for him works reasonably well for me so you know each of us has our own style that we bring to this range analysis too which i think Mm -hmm. is really really cool you know
1: also kind of piggybacking off of that one thing that i do as a pilot and when i'm in a competitive environment is to in order to really limit the amount of misplays that i can make don't be afraid to talk yourself through what you're doing out loud totally it's like when you're an artist, when you paint something and when you're done painting, you hold it at arm's length and look at it and see what is wrong with this. When you're doing an essay, if you want to read that out loud to, for proofreading, it's like that. And then depending on your play style, whether you take the gamble or not, that's that's up to you after you've spoken through like aloud everything that you're going to do. You can say, yeah. if I roll this die, then this. Okay, that, that, the other thing. I like that. You know, the, I've got a one in seven chance here. I'm going to take it. And... You don't have to be that obnoxious guy who goes touching everybody's dice. At the same time, you, you do the right
2: move.
0: It's fun. You've played Ben Scott a couple times, right, Steven? And it's so fun to watch like him. Once, He'll one, like once. Maybe twice. He, he, he loves to push his dice all around the, you know in the reserve pool. And you can see him yeah. kind of working out the pieces. And it's great to watch. It's so fun to watch somebody, everybody thinking it through and doing this math you know, like this. Let's get into the cards. Anything from the new sets that you've liked that you've played oh as a my combo? my I could talk about this for a long time. I can
2: talk <laughs> through a few that I've played myself. And then there's a, a bunch of other things that I have just on a list, okay. literally on a Google doc of like, oh, that seems interesting. Cool. Oh, that seems interesting. But I'll start with things that I've actually played. And these are some of these things you can actually find videos on on my awesome. YouTube channel. So if you want to check them out, feel free to, uh, shameless plug, go on over there to <laughs> youtube.com slash DM You can also find them in the show notes. I'll try to oh, link to them here go. too. Yeah, that's perfect. So the very first one that comes to mind from this new stuff was the very first team that I put together and played, uh, which was the Green Lantern plus Hawk Girl from the yeah, Batman set. Um, really and good. then plus Clayface, which I think is one of the most highlighted pieces on that team. Yep. So this is the Green Lantern Human that gives all of your Justice League character dice the text that basically was ripped straight from the old Lantern Ring limited only by imagination card. Right. So basically, they ping your opponent for damage based on the number of energy symbols that they share in the reserve pool. And he and, only works uh, with Justice League characters as well. Exactly, which is why I play him, because I had sort of this thing where I just didn't want to touch Lantern Ring for the yeah. longest time. I scared a, I scared a new player away from the game, because I accidentally played Lantern Ring for the first time <laughs> against yeah, a new player, yeah. and it didn't go well for him, and I felt real bad. Yeah. Uh, One so, thing, actually, that I do when a new player comes and they
1: don't have Shriek on their team, just give him a copy of shriek just for the day cuz it'll it's a very comfortable card to play with
2: I'll oh, see. I, this this was before Shriek had uh, been printed, yeah. so uh, <laughs> and it, it there was help, no, against, it no help against, there against there Lantern was no hope. Anyways, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there was but no hope, Green and I felt Lantern so bad helps. afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm gonna try this limited only by imagination card. I think it seems pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, it's turn. What? Oh, you're dead by forty damn. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Whoops. Yeah. And he was like, Nah, I'm good. Not playing again. And I thought to
0: myself, oh, no. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny, anyway.
2: But- sorry. Sidebar. Um. <laughs> so this team is really cool because it feels powerful without feeling too powerful mm-hmm. which I don't know maybe that says something poor about the team if you're looking for high level play or maybe I just didn't have a good team build which has been the case in the past when it comes to good teams with great builds being high level but this one's great in the sense that you just jam a bunch of hot girls they spin yeah. themselves up so you have good strong combat damage if your opponent doesn't actually block them yeah. and if they do then you just blink them back with like I think I used hawking bird on the team. But the most interesting piece is purchasing a Hawk Girl while you already have some in the field and Green Lantern in the field, and then clay facing that in for the extra masks yep. and pushes a, just a little bit more incremental damage. It's very, very powerful, very flexible, very good.
1: Yeah. And my, sent- my favorite clay face trick is probably two cost fist plus Clayface Plus any Cree captain, and then like a powerful forecast. Yeah, don't, that hey, way- dude, I'm
2: gonna, I'm gonna mention that later. Don't bring <laughs> oh, that <we> up. Can <laughs> e- oh, whoops, we can edit that up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. You could take that one. But that is, no, that's a great point and great use of the Clayface Global that I think uh, people will use a lot.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is it synergizes so nicely with the Hawkingbird Global. You can do Clayface on your opponent's turn. So mm-hmm, exactly, you just, you just grab a couple of masks and you know, come at me. I'll distract her. You guys took my, you know. two of my best points for that card. Those are yeah, great. Yeah, yeah so no, I'm, look, I'm
1: looking at it here and it says for our breaking it down section, we'd love to get into the new Clayface club. I'm not. hey, don't mention the show notes in the show.
0: Don't mention the show notes. We, we're doing this off the cuff, everybody. For sure. That Green Lantern and Hawkgirl is just such a natural, great fit. Uh, It is. It's all masks. Green Lantern, Hawkgirl,
2: all masks. Clayface Global's a mask. Throw on Zatanna from the new set just for
0: another character that is a justice league and it's a mask and it's 3 I think so. Yep. And and even if they shriek green lantern, you know, Hawkgirl can do enough damage by herself that if you have some other form of board clear, she's an alternate win con in and Yeah, of exactly. Herself, it's
2: know. easy to slap something else on there because that's only what three pieces that we've mentioned, maybe four, plus the yep. blink back global so you can put that on the uh, basic action slot or you can use a team slot. So you're you're four yeah. open slots five if you count the other basic actions pretty good really good really good cool what else you got all right so i i haven't put a video out for this one which is sad because i actually recorded a video and then i've had this m- sort of month of the just super busyness and i know other people this is like not some secret i, I think you guys talked about it on a on a podcast beforehand uh-huh. but i i really enjoy the black canary danger room combo uh-huh. the black yes. canary that thank makes all the you. villains unblockable thank danger you room. yeah look at that one but most people have been running it with like Cree Captain. And that's your win condition, right. right? That's that's weak to being removed by the Danger Room global though because right. you just ping off the Black Canary. She's like two defense on two sides, right? I think her top one's a three maybe. So just two bolts they have to save and then they can't do the combo. Right. Well, that's cool. But then you just throw Owlman on there. So he's a five cost. <laughs> when you play Danger Room, he becomes a villain, right. ooh, which ooh, is even ooh. better because then he gets plus two. I love it. Black Canary gets the buff from him so then you have to save a minimum of three bolts to remove her if they're using the danger room global
0: yeah forget malekith you don't even need it now you know boom that does it
2: it is so good honestly it's really really good like i have it worked out to a turn five if they don't have the ability to blink it back it's a turn five win
0: my newest
1: dice master's pet peeve is when someone's like, so what are you thinking of the Justice set? And I'm like, you know, that Black Canary with Danger Room? That's really good. And they go, eh, I don't know about that. I'm more feeling the Justice League characters, and I'm just like, you cretin, Black Canary.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, like at that, that card Black is Canary. legit. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I like it with Owlman. I hadn't thought of that, but that's really good.
2: Yeah. No, Black Canary with Owlman and Danger Room keeps your Black Canary alive. You can use the danger room global to ping out like shrieks or ping out scarlet witches mm-hmm. you can throw on. I think I have the wonder woman that keeps your stuff from yeah, being blinked goodness. back. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. pretty flexible.
0: So just for those following along, it's the rare danger room that turns everything into villains and the super rare, uh, super Owl rare element. Yeah. Do you know the subtitle of that particular black canary by any chance? I'm, oh, I uh, flower, flower shop or whatever,
1: whatever. <laughs> <laughs> flower shop owner. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, okay. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> indeed it's a great team highly recommend playing it it's super fun aggro
0: cool 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 and what Ooh. else you got anything else one last oh my one? gosh
2: I'll keep uh, one last one I only have one because I've got no, six go, more I'll I'm going to seven okay, more i to go, mention keep, all right I'll, I'll do right. two more more in depth and then I'll just run a list down here. how's that fair enough all right so black adam banished it's the one that makes all of your villains have deadly Mm -hmm. all right just throw on any cheap legion of doom character like the three cost black manta the one that gets plus to attack because he's beefy um so he's he's like a five five when he's got the buff going and if you've got black adam then i believe he gets the buff right away and then you just buy doom lance and you just play (laughs) that and you're good
0: and did somebody mention that's been a winner
2: for me (laughs) in the past God, it's so good. It's so much fun. Like I slapped that together on a team, took it to a casual night and Mm -hmm. I have like one of the most fun games I've played in a long time was a back and forth between I think it was me and Ryan Slater, we were playing that. Oh. He was playing something from the uh, Warhammer 40k set, and I was playing a, a team from the Justice stuff, and it was extremely fun to just kind of control using a bunch of deadly characters yeah. and Doomlance to just keep wiping the board every time I could roll it. It was <laughs> so frustrating.
1: I'll, frustrating. Tell, <laughs> I'll tell you, one card that you might want to slap on teams just because Doomlance is popular is the two-cost Greyhunter with Deadly because there's nothing in Justice more satisfying than when someone's like, "Ah, I've got my big Doomlands and I'm coming for you and I've got my huge field and I'm going to swing through next turn after you have nothing left. And you buy your two-cost Greyhunter and their Doomlands faster than they can set up their big Mm -hmm. Mega Deadly combo and you kill them with their own thing and it's great and then they get all angry but they don't want to show it but you know it and then they go outside the store and they scream really loud and you're just like, yes, but a little bit sorry. Nothing
0: better than that (laughs) And
2: and you've never done that before This is just a hypothetical This is very hypothetical Yes, yes Yes, of course
0: I've I've raised such a kind child
2: (laughs) (laughs) The vendetta in his heart Is just like showing
0: It's coming through all right, that's cool so so what's post doomland steven you've got you piqued my curiosity here
2: all right um this one's a simple one that people are running in the most recent i think two team takedown tournament mm-hmm. tabaxi rogue plus riddler plus green devil mask plus yeah. instant war so just a bunch of burn damage with re-rolling yeah. things and making things happen that your opponent doesn't want it's just very kind of rude if you can get it to go off and yep. i played that team Almost to the t. I just kind of slapped it down, pulled it out of the box itself at an event mm, a month and a half ago or so, and uh, it was a lot of fun.
0: Oh, I bet yeah. getting set up is the is the issue there, right? And having time to do it. But do you usually use the Thor Global on that as well, or what's uh, what's your? You know, I did I on? did have the Thor Global on that
2: version of it. I've considered recently taking it off and just kind of hard buying mm-hmm. those things because the the net one doesn't. Do a ton for me. Really, the the biggest issue is buying the Riddler. It's a six drop, right? And if you're right. not running some sort of a ramp, then you're you're having to find creative ways to get to six just to buy him, like Cree Captain Global plus yeah. like one extra die from Res or something like that. So it it kind of ends up being this sort of dance. That's the, the hardest thing is finding right. that balance to just buying Riddler. Because the Riddler is the fun part. I mean, Tabaxi Rogue, Instant yeah. so, War, well, we've seen that. That's all done. And that's super fun, too. But you kind of want to just mess around with seeing what happens when they take 16 after their board goes away.
0: It reminds me a little bit in terms of purchase curve challenge wise. Do you remember the rare satchel? <laughs> yeah, I remember the rare satchel uh, and, and the and the Riddler. There was that Riddler that discounted. You could swap the purchase cost yep. of a die, so you would use that with bat signal, the one cost bat signal. Mm. But you had to get to that Riddler, and it was the same sort of challenge. And if you could do that kind of shuck and groove, it worked great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but if you couldn't, if you missed your Riddler, you kind of were in trouble. Yeah, that was the worst because you know? he was easy to buy, but I always
2: ran into that issue where you know like i just didn't roll him and or it was one of those situations i think it was a win fielded effect so you would slap him out there but you didn't have the energy so it's like well what's the point of me fielding this stupid thing has six defense it's not going anywhere i'll just send it to
0: use because i didn't have the energy to buy the two things that i wanted so and, and that's a thing I want to bring up. So we're talking about the particular Riddler. This was one, I, I think he was the, was he the rare from Batman? From Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Batman.
1: Yeah, Batman. Of well, the purchase cost of two non-basics. But I liked it.
0: Another thing that I've, I've seen, I see you do this really well, and I want to just take a sm- small moment to take a time out and, and explore this a little bit, is like, if you have a win-fielded effect that you need to get your win going, and you don't have that win at that point in time, don't field that character if it's just going to get stuck you're better off letting it go to used. I've seen a lot of players feel like, oh, I've rolled it, I've got to field it. And that's another thing like that you slowly learn as you go along this, this process of improving as a player. If you've got a win fielded effect that you kind of need later in the game or you need to be your finishing move and it's not set up, let it go to use more often than not, right?
1: Or you could take the Lucan route, which is just never play these auxiliary when fielded abilities like Mimic or Riddler because they've stabbed you in the back too many times. But, I mean, if you want to put yourself through that, you're more than welcome to.
2: Man, so much. This is the episode where we're just going to sit him down we're, Arge, we're just going to sit him down and we're just going to be like okay talk through your problems one at a time <laughs> tell me where it began
0: and just start
2: talking we'll, we'll get through this together I'll put the pot of coffee on yeah. here we go it sounds like you got that one in the back of the head still you, you remember it yeah
1: <laughs> I
0: never run mimic anymore and, hey and that's why it's fun you see like the fact that it doesn't come up all the time is what makes it satisfying when it does my son well mm. yeah but you know if
1: you have choice between mimic and spot spot has just been friendlier towards me
0: because it rolls, but he just got nerfed. So yeah, I, I don't care. <laughs> that may be, but sure he's <laughs> still doing more than me than mimic because mimic never comes out. Ever. Yeah, mimic, mimic does hate you for some reason. <laughs> I know that. All feels right, like what's good, the next in depth one we got? One more, one more in depth.
2: I'm just gonna run down the list. Actually, if you're okay with that, sure. sure. I recently messed around with the Zatanna attune kind of style of team. Yeah, which seems really interesting. Haven't played it. Haven't even taken it out of the binder yet. But
0: that's with Wong you're thinking about using it with Wong yeah
2: Wong I haven't decided the the interesting thing about that team it feels very puzzle like because I I feel like you can go about five cards deep onto that team yeah and then you sit there and go well what are the other two to three cards and then basic actions that I'm actually going to slap on and then you can go the other way and go like six cards deep in a you know more aggressive version and you go well what are the other two cards and then I just sort of sit and scratch my head because it's like two cards away or three cards away the other way of just being really, really interesting. Yeah, there's a Clia that works suddenly really well with that. CLIA. Yeah, exactly. And that Clia is an interesting thing, too. I, I remember listening to you guys talk with Ben about that Clia yeah. and him possibly putting on his, uh, I think it was his Worlds team that he yeah. almost yeah. put it on. Um, that one's super interesting, and I could go on a diatribe about where that fits into a Zatanna Toon team and, you know, like, do you want all these low-cost? See, I'm about to start doing it anyway. So, <laughs> no, it's fine. You know, it's I'm just going to stop myself. Like, 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 right? You can go do the you want to put a six-drop onto a team made up of predominantly twos and threes? Right. And- You know, is it, is it worth putting it there just because it is such good removal? Plus it's in a tune. Do you ever reach for it? Or is it one of those things where you just kind of don't, I mean, it's just one of those interesting kind of puzzlers. Like do you put that on instead of just a card like a shriek, because you want to play that shriek to shriek battle or do you put that plus shriek? I mean, this is one of those things that I've kind of wrestled with. And then an aggressive variant of the Zatanna tune, like what does that look like? Do you run the two cost Wong that has fast? Do you care about fast? Do you run the three cost that makes your sidekicks a little bit better and then slap something else on that makes sidekicks more viable? There's like a lot of different ways that you can go with that team. So I'm kind of in that designing stage trying to figure out which I prefer.
0: I love that one card came along that opened up Mystics that was was unreal really unplayable before as a as an affiliation and suddenly totally. it's viable and i think that's really cool you it's, know? it's great Hundred you,
1: you can go the wong direction with it or you can go the phantom stranger direction with it personally i don't mind doing both it's yeah it's great
2: and then you kind of sit there and go okay well is phantom stranger good on aggro no it kind of doesn't serve a purpose because it's a four drop that protects you so then what looks good on an aggro version of Zatana? well maybe you don't even run just five different attuned characters because that's excessive. Maybe you slap on like Yellow Lantern Ring because it's both an action and it's an intimidate kind of creator, which is removal. So I started messing with that. Oh my gosh.
0: But keep your eye out again. Now, teamwork's coming back. So suddenly Mystic's looks pretty good and maybe that phantom stranger is good with that because it can it doesn't really totally protect you because once they get the teamwork growing it's going to give enough buff that's not going to knock anything out yeah it's it's like well if you're running
2: an aggro then you don't need a four cost that's going to protect you because you're going to kill them right that's the point that's yeah, that's why it's aggro so it's just one of those interesting interesting scenarios where that team could really go like in a huge range of different ways and it's just sitting down and going what do i want to do Mm -hmm. what's my win con am i winning fast or slow And then what supports that or doesn't support that that fits within that. So it kind of goes back to our team building. Yeah,
0: really
1: cool. Speaking of Yellow Lantern Ring, I've been using that a lot with like a ton of globals. Just put a team with Yellow Lantern Ring and a ton of globals and somehow it always works out well. This is something well, it's funny because
2: that. that's my next one on my list yellow lantern ring and anything <laughs> literally on my list yellow lantern ring plus anything yeah so that one's interesting this is the two cost that makes all of your reserve pool character dice have intimidate right uh, if you didn't know which one that was that one is sweet super good yeah it's makes you consider buying a second pack just to get the four dice for it but maybe two's enough i don't know maybe two's enough yeah
0: well all those yellow Rings are pretty interesting and The Mm -hmm. one that does basically the the Doomlands-like one. I was thinking the other day, boy, how how good that is going to be with that uh, fetid bloat drone that has deadly that makes every people mm-hmm. you
1: know? um, just a one two combo right the yellow there. Yellow lantern right? ring. Something that I love to do is the rare crystal from Thor. Yep. Uh, the uncommon Dum Dum Dugan from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. Uh, professor X Global. Which then, Professor like, X Global? The the one that feels a sidekick from the use pile. Mm-hmm. I, if I if I was talking about the Professor X Global, I would said PXG. But you know. <laughs> um. Uh, so uh, also the Atlantis that uh, draws and rolls too. Yep. Um. <laughs> and that way you're just like every time you roll a question mark, you get a sidekick, and you can feel every time you get a map you get a sidekick and every sidekick that you roll is a sidekick you're ramping a ton you're going through your bag really quickly and you since you have the dum-dum dugan out in the field you're going to get a huge buff and the lantern ring is going to intimidate out like everybody that they have yep the biggest problem with that build is that you only have so many dice that can go into your out of play area or you only have so many dice that you
2: can make it sidekicks
1: yeah exactly and when that is your problem you know that you have something good to work with it's a good yeah, problem. There's I a have, similar yeah.
2: team sitting in my uh, transition zone app. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's some stuff going on with that team that's really fun. Have you got one more. Or are you done with that? Is that it? I'll just run down the list. You ready? At the two cost Atlantis plus momentum. Put all your dice into anything that you rolled that you want to put in from reserve to prep. Yeah. Plus momentum re rolls them all. That's cool. Wow. Straight up one card. Literally just Gorilla Grodd. You can't fight me. This is <laughs> I the love Gorilla Grodd that, grod that yeah. makes everything attack every turn. And your stuff gets plus one attack. Yep. It's like an interesting symmetric effect that gives you a slight
0: advantage. It's a fun team because it's just chaos. You know, everybody's flying. That's the thing. The that's yeah. that's why it's
2: so interesting to me because like you just build a pure aggro team and throw your stuff at them and then just take whatever damage you want from the other team uh so that one's interesting and then my last one is um power almighty plus adam plus any other waking character so adam the spin up and deal two damage to your opponent power almighty spins everything up and gets you to prep dice for all of your sidekicks because they can't spin up and that's the coolest thing thing ever and then awaken characters because awaken is a sweet ability
0: and it works great with power almighty so all right well let's move on to our breaking it down section we'd love to talk about that clayface global you've been talking about you know ben said scott said you were the master of not buying too much and you've talked a little bit about that already tonight so i'd love to talk to you about that aspect of things, especially as how it relates to this global. Because the one thing that I've noticed as we've been playing the Clayface Global is that it can easily lead one to overbuying, yeah. right? Yeah, it can. And so so tell, tell us what you've discovered about the uh, Clayface Global so far and what kind of hijinks you've employed and, and how you resist the temptation to, like, when do you know like, okay, it's time to, to stop buying at this point? Well, it's kind of interesting because like, um,
2: well, I'll start with just saying that Clayface in general that that global is just sort of a double-edged sword like on several teams it's like one of the best cards outside of your win condition like the green lantern team it is one of the best cards on that team because it can pull in when when you need it those those energy faces on character dice that you just bought but i would say like if your team's not designed to use it then using it too much just totally destroys you I played a game a couple of weeks ago where exactly that happened. I was playing the flower shop black canary with the owl man plus the danger room, right? So again, I had this setup to where it's a turn five kill. If my opponent doesn't have blanking or blink back, then I'm just gonna win in five turns. And it's likely the the rolls aren't that difficult. The line is not that difficult. You can miss it a little bit, but then it pushes it back one turn. So it's not not right. bad, right? Pretty solid team. And Ryan was playing Yanti Pureblood Common, Pox Walker, and looking to just push a bunch of unblockable damage using team up and the buff from Parasite, which is also a sweet team, by the way. So lots of buys for him. It's all cheap stuff. And he had the Clayface Global. So he was just going to buy it all up really, really fast, right? He's going to flood his bag. That's fine by him is what he's he's thinking. I'm just going to buy all the things and eventually I'll just roll all this stuff because I just have a ton. Right. So I'm playing this Black Canary Owlman build. It's pretty specific turn one through four that can get you to a turn five lethal, but... I decided, you know what? I'm going to give this a try. It's just for fun. Yeah, we're the last match we both have, you know, a perfect record up until this match. Um but I'm going to just try Clayface Global turn 1 to see if the net one energy gain that comes from using Clayface Global is enough to sort of offweigh the um plus one die in the use pile because right. that's kind of what ends up happening if you you get one extra energy, you you kind of messes with the bag just a little bit, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, turns out it's Terrible, because <laughs> um, the moment you use it turn one on a team that is very specific, need to have four dice, then purchase one, then res, Yep. once you use it on yeah. that team, then you have to use it every turn after that until you're ready to lose your com- bag completely yep. to where you go to six dice, and then you can't fix it. And it goes for like five or six turns where you have to do it in a row until you buy one more thing yeah. and it flips your bag upside down. And so it took this very specific build that I'd had and just totally wrecked it because I tried to use it one time when I didn't really necessarily need to use it. I just wanted to see if one extra energy made that much difference. Turns it turns out It's a lesson
0: in bag, bag management though, right? I mean, you just you exactly. feel it instantly, right? Yes. I'm just realizing we never actually said what is the Clayface Global? Can you do me a favor and read it for us, Stephen? Yeah, it that'd says, be great. It says, pay a mask. Once per turn, you may take a die from your used pile
2: and add it to your reserve pool on any energy face. Great. And, and that can happen on your turn and your opponent's That's turn, That's correct. Right? Once per turn doesn't say on your turn. And which
0: Clayface is it? Which uh, What's the subtitle? There's I mean? only one. It's Clayface Restless. Restless. OK, great. And his regular ability is actually pretty good. If you, oh, uh, you know, uh, it's it, solid.
2: Is... It says, while you have a bolt fist mask, shield energy in your reserve pool he gets plus five plus
0: five and over crush question marks don't <laughs> count right and with his global that makes it a, it's a lot easier to have that right yes
1: one way that you can avoid the over buying thing with Clayface is just use it with swarm because at least that way if you have a way to pr- protect your swarm you're getting a return investment on every single die that's coming out your bag you're not losing a die for drawing a die and it's 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 not bad ramp or it's not bad support to your ramp it's it's solid
0: That's an interesting point. I haven't considered or tried that. You know, the one thing that we noticed right away is, boy, trying this in gold with PXG it's broken man it, uh, yeah. you're just because you're tearing through your bag it doesn't matter that you're overbuying you're getting masks for days if you build it on a mask team and boy with pxg and that green lantern hawk girl combo and you throw in morphing jar you know all of these like one cost, you know, one cost with huge stats uh, yeah it's, it's it gets out of control really bonkers if you don't yeah. have some way of stopping globals and you put on distraction on there you know it's like there's no, there's nothing you can do against that team. Also,
1: throw on stretch. That's an underrated (laughs) card. Everybody's like, Stranger, I don't know what's so great about it. You're losing two dice and you're only getting one. I'm like, well, you're not losing two dice. You're putting two dice in your
0: use pile. Very different thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. So you can PXG for days, you know. So it's it's interesting. I'm still having a, like Luke and I were talking, it's still really fun because it's new and it's all fresh. But boy, in Golden, it's kind of like, it's a tough combo because it just really, PXG was already sort of so strong in terms of value. And now with this, it it multiplies it again, you know. Yeah.
2: Well, it's even good for other globals that aren't PXG based. I mean, even just in modern, like this gives you a guaranteed Cree Captain global on any turn that you want it, as Mm -hmm. long as you have a easy purchase fist character, you know? Yep, Yep. just. Cree Captain Global. There it is. I just bring that die in, and boom. And there suddenly Heimdall
0: looks pretty good right now, right? Mm-hmm. So it does, yeah.
2: I, it's great in combination with things like Create Food and Water. Mm-hmm. It's good for res, because it just kind of does what Ring Res used to do, where you just put everything exactly as you want it, fix your bag exactly as yeah, you want for
1: it. For more veteran players, you may remember the Ring Res engine. You can do that with Clayface Global. If you've got more dice than you want, you can do ring res with it, except it's not ring, but you can manipulate, you can bring dice out of your use pile and put dice in your out-of-play zone to get that perfect five dice in your use pile. Yes, you can.
0: And it's awesome. What kind of team synergize best with the Clayface Global? Because you made this point that it doesn't line up with certain teams, but it probably lines up with other ones really well, right? Yeah, like um,
2: like I mentioned, a, an aggro team that has a bunch of cheap cost characters does not care if they flood their board, if they can just churn right, right back through it, throw them all out there and throw them at your face. I mean, they're going to kill their bag anyway just throwing dice at you. So right. if they're going to do it by buying stuff first and then they can throw more stuff at you, great. They don't care, right? Teams that are defensive that want to have a lot of access to blink Basically, Hawkingbird Global or um, Static Field Global, pay a mask, push target attacking character back into the field zone instead of the attack zone. If you want access to that, then you can get... An extra mask at the end of each turn, as long as you have a mask character in your uh, used pile. So those great for those teams. It's great for teams that count energy in reserve or count energy faces, count dice in reserve. Yeah, yeah, all of those are, are awesome. Yep. Also, one thing I'm I, I'm
1: just doing the math here. I'm not actually absolutely certain about this, but since Cree Captain plus Clayface is a popular combo, it's not super unlikely for you to find you and your opponent running that. So with that, you could get an eight cost for four, if what I'm
0: thinking lines (laughs) up, which I want to do someday. It's a powerful global. So is there anything that you could think of that would fight against it? What would wreck this global, in your opinion? Is there anything on the other side of the board that if you were running it, you thought, oh, I didn't want to see that? Wrecker? (laughs) Wrecker basically shuts it down
2: completely because you are not buying a six drop to use this ability most of the time. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that just does, doesn't jump out at me besides Wrecker. Blackbird Global, maybe? Say that again? Blackbird Global, oh, maybe? Oh, sure, yeah, definitely. Anything that shuts off a global is just going to give you a bad time, especially because most of the teams that want to play this are going to use it heavily. Yep. So I guess it's an important note. If you're going to play this global, know how to play your team without said global, because if it gets taken away from you, then uh, you're sad. Very good. Stuff, that,
1: stuff that messes with your bag as well. Is is kind of harmful to Clayface because sure Tabaxi using...
2: Rogue at the wrong time yeah
1: exactly like Tabaxi Rogue at the wrong time or a lot of those old cards from the Deadpool set like that Madam Hydra or that uh, Agent Carter that just mess with your bag because since you're having so much stuff just everywhere mm. if that flow that you've carefully planned out is disturbed it could be disastrous. Definitely. Especially with such a junky bag from having face so Exa- much. Well, that's, that's exactly what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, and
2: that's all true if you're planning on using it on your opponent's turn. I mean, if you're planning on using it on your turn, then you don't have that issue that you're going to run into unless they're Tabaxi Roguing after you pass priority to them, in which case, why didn't you do the thing before? But that's just a misplay. Um, if you're planning to grab those extra energy on your opponent's turn, then yeah, you got to worry about instant war, things that are putting things back into your bag, just all of those sorts of things. Even like
0: the old school um, God, I can't, fr- I can't remember her name. I've oh, seen I know you think Elf, the the uh, half length thief used to mess with people's bag massively, massively. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the old like Battle for Feyrein one would do that. Yeah, it? yeah. The old Battle for Feyrein half length thief, he was he was great at wrecking PXG. Oh,
2: and then there was um poison, not poison ivy. Um, what was the Frost Emma Frost right? No, not Emma yeah. Frost. Oh, yeah. The the Frost girl from uh, Green Arrow, <laughs> girl, and Flash. Girl. <laughs> yeah,
0: Killer Frost. Killer, killer Frost. Frost. Yeah. she would
2: show. knack things back in the bag. Yeah, yeah, she was really good. That was a bag one. That wasn't the used. One. But anything that messes with your used when you're not expecting it is something to worry about.
1: Yeah, another cool trick that you can do with Clayface is if you have—I'm not certain if this works yet, but I like it, so it works. Is <laughs> <laughs> pretty the, sure that's the logic. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so um, you use Acerac with Clayface. So you—it's—it's it's expensive. But let's say you want like a nefarious broadcast to stop your people from being targeted. You just need this last push, right? So you pay two energy, you buy your nefarious broadcast, then you pay the mask for the clay face, bring it on energy face, and then pay another energy to roll it from Acerak. Now where the rules question here comes in is whether you can actually use the Acerak global on it because it says re-roll and formally speaking, the die hasn't been rolled yet.
0: I, I put the question to win, but we haven't heard yet. But there's lots of reasons to justify that you could. So at this point, I feel like, you know, it's you're paying. Fun. It's fun. Eh, let it roll. <laughs> I agree. Let it
2: roll. <laughs>
1: At the one big weekend event, I tried to fire that, like, 12 or so times, and it only worked once.
2: <laughs> but that, that one so time, you know. were super hyped for it, right?
1: <laughs> oh, it was great, and it won me the game, just, like, right there, but there was also all those times where it was just, like, I just need this action die to roll, and it wouldn't roll, and it wouldn't roll, and every single time, I was like, come on, Nefarious Broadcaster, come on, like, A whatever Serer the Rock action hates was. Just... <laughs> well, when it's against Scarlet Witch, it doesn't ha- hate me. It pulls through against Scarlet Witch, but when it comes for anything that's, like, not defending myself, it, it hates me.
0: All right, well, thank you. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about Clayface Global before we move on, Stephen? It's sweet. Go play with it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, well, let's move on to the next section of the show that we call Roll It Blunder, Blunder.
3: blunder.
0: <laughs> this is where we ask our guests to share a blunder they've committed that they might feel comfortable, you know, putting out in front of the world where where we the listeners can learn and grow from their painful error. So Stephen, is there anything that, that jumps to mind in regards to this? Yeah. I read
2: this statement on the show notes and I the moment I finished reading it, I was like, oh God, I'm gonna talk about this one, aren't I? I know I'm gonna talk about this this stupid this stupid misplay. Right, All right, right. So for me I've talked a lot about range analysis and trying to see, you know, the line that you're taking and how it's going to affect you. And it turns down. So in order to do all of that, you have to go into the tank, right? You got to go into the think tank, you got to sit down, you got to buckle down and you got to think your way through all these problems. Cause you're not a computer. You can't do it instantly. Right? So all of my issues well, no, I shouldn't say all of them, but a lot of my issues and my worst plays have come from me going too far into the tank, <laughs> right. where I start going, "Okay, now I'm down this line, yeah. and then I do yeah. this and that and that," and so I start to assume that one of those things has already happened, yeah. or that I have the ability to do that because I I was just there too long. Yep, that ties back into chess. Yeah, exactly. Totally, it's a it's a totally a chess type of problem, right? So the the number one. Thing That jumped out to me when I first read it was a game that I played on stream on camera in the two team takedown (laughs) tournament like a year ago. Right. I was playing against Laurier. It was game three. We had split. Right. So it was one one. Right. And um, I have lethal on the board. I have lethal on the board. I keep telling myself I have lethal on the board. <laughs> if I do it like right. this, 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 Oh, but wait, what if that, Oh, if I do it like this, this, maybe I have to change that. If I do it like this. So I sit there for like 10, 10 minutes, like thinking about how in the world I have lethal. It's pretty simple. Lethal looking back. Right. Right. If I do it the right way. And I, I just mess up one little thing. I forgot that I needed like a single energy to roll for <sighs> triggering the effect on boom, 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 because i want to use um the uh what is the one cost action that when you roll it you can target a character roll a die from your used and then add the attack and defense uh improvised improvised weapon weapon, yes so i'd like
1: to just call it stool
2: yeah (laughs) <laughs> that is an awkward but perfect name for it. Yeah, because that stool's just coming in right there. Right. Well, that's that's that was what was about to happen. That's that was gonna hit the fan after I messed this up, right? I didn't leave a die in my used to, to trigger the effect. So I had the action die oh. sitting in my reserve pool, but nothing to roll. So I can't actually use the effect. Right. Because I had bought some random, stupid thing I didn't need, I think. Right. So I go from having like a guaranteed lethal to hoping that he would be kind enough to let me roll back one single buy so i could kill him and right. i'm sitting there going oh my god i feel terrible i feel so bad i spent 10 minutes thinking about how i have lethal and i just don't want to mess it up and i messed it up in the dumbest way possible uh, it always happens and so that's just goes to show you kids right don't sit there in the tank for 10 minutes <laughs> because it does not help. One of my best friends who introduced me to the game of Dice Masters had a saying that many people probably also use, but it was study long, study wrong. And uh, that day I studied <laughs> wrong.
0: It happens. I, I did that a couple of weeks ago where I, I had ran down some long line and it, it was actually playing against one of these Green Lantern Hawk Girl combination teams. And I had it. And I, you know, it required me to use an energy fixer at the beginning of the whole sequence of my plan. And by the time I got to the end of it, I thought I had already done it. And mm-hmm. then I moved on. And then I looked at my board and I realized I left the sidekick there that I needed to turn to a mask, which would have saved me. <laughs> yep. So, so, uh, there it is. <laughs> you know, it <sighs> happens to the best of us. <laughs> but at yep. least you could say you made an error. In the good way, you were thinking things through, right? You weren't being impulsive or reckless about things. <laughs> oh, man, Again, I don't know. Sometimes it's right?
2: more fun to make an error impulsively <laughs> yeah, or recklessly uh, than it is to, right. like, totally have the best intentions and then completely bomb it nonetheless.
0: <laughs> well, well, thank you for sharing that. Also,
1: one. one other thing, like, I think I I want to figure out a way to do this, but I just can't think of a way to do it. You know how, like, chess has, like, a notation system?
0: Yeah. We yes. need to
1: figure out some way to do that in Dice Masters because in chess, you know, you write your move down before you make it, then you make the move, and you look at it and you write it down and you're like, wait, that is so dumb. Why am I <laughs> doing that, right? And yeah. and then you go back and you fix it. And in, in Dice Masters, like, that's a little bit tying back into, like, say what you're going to do a loud thing, but it just, another another barrier in between the right move And you about to do the wrong move, Mm -hmm. I just I really wish there's a way to notate your games, not only for like the practical side of being able to look back on your games and like correct it and look at somebody else's game and do an analysis, but like also just like for in the moment, you know,
0: (laughs) not making a huge (laughs)
1: blunder like I it it would have helped me so many times personally if i well
2: luke and look man if some random dude living in texas can get a webcam and make a youtube channel you you can sit down and and figure out a notation system we'll all embrace it when you when you finished with it because (laughs) i thought about that about a year ago too and uh i don't have the wherewithal or the knowledge to put that together but man go for it it's a cool idea well look i figured out like a way to do it the big problem is again you
1: know in, in chess you only have a few different types of pieces and in, in dice masters we've got quite a few different types of pieces you know <laughs> and a few the thousands, sequencing you know, and whatever <laughs> yeah sure
0: all right well lucan we'll, hopefully you will rise to that challenge homework go <laughs> <laughs> but for now let's move on to the section of the show we like to call all all of all right, Stephen, we ask each of our guests to nominate one retired or semi-retired Dice Masters player for our imaginary Hall of Fame. And at the end of the season, we're going to count up all the nominations and induct one player into the so-called Hall. Have you got somebody in mind for us tonight? I very much do. This is a
2: person that when I first started watching the game and they started streaming national competitions and just high level dice masters competitions, I watched this person play in several of those competitions and absolutely just floored by the prowess and the high skill level that he maintained while he played. I watched him pilot his really, really cool team that I'll Just let you go and check out on your own back in 2015 to a national championship finish. He was also the national qualifier winner, so he swept people.
0: This is the one and only David Walsh. Awesome, awesome, awesome selection. You know, I am really surprised that he's lasted this long. I'm surprised I haven't heard his name yet because we know a couple of people who were early members of the Dysonon team. And they all talked about Walsh being this guy who was sort of the the guru of setting up things four turns in advance. You would see his style of play shift out of just ramping like crazy, and he knew exactly when to make the turn to buy the piece that was going to kill you, Uh, I think he may be single-handedly responsible for the ban on Relentless and Swords of Revealing Light. I mean, he was that good of a player,
2: right? He was so, so good. And all of those games, too, like the National Championship games where he plays against Kelly Davies, all of those are on YouTube. And you can watch all of them still. And they're still fun to watch because the teams that they were both playing were both powerful. They both knew how to pilot them so well, particularly David, just like the, the lines that they were taking. And the best part is they're both from Austin and they both played against each other constantly. So if you want a just cutting edge, high level gameplay, top of the top of the line with two players that know each other's ins and outs and played and play tested against those two teams, Watch that that series. It's it's
0: unbelievable for sure. And it to such a consummate pilot. I mean, his record, his win loss record, was just probably still his percentage is probably right up there against anybody's. I mean, he really just knew how to pilot a team, and everybody else was kind of building against him. I mean, that was one of the reasons that the Dean's team, when Dean Leland played against him, it, the world's you know it really came out of, of the blue. And one of the reasons why his team is such a great. Another example of like something to hold up is like, wow, what a great build, what a great brew. But without Walsh's team and Walsh's skills... Dean's team doesn't quite, you know, it's like that Ali Frazier thing. Like without one, mm-hmm. without the, one without the other, doesn't fly, right? You know, and, and I think that really is great to go back and look at that.
2: Yeah, and of note, he was the 2015 world's runner-up, so right. he had to play that team that was teched straight up against him. Right, uh, he went all the way to that point. Yeah, no, extremely inspiring to watch play at as as a young player of the game, as someone who has just kind of dipped a toe into the dice master scene. I I absolutely loved. Watching that high level play,
0: I think he has like a long line of of proteges in after him as well, which I think speaks well of him too. I think Stewart learned the game from him, isn't that right? I, I heard know. that. Is somewhere. that is that the case? I you know I put the I bat single out to Stewart. I heard that Stewart was uh you know had came, come to the game through Walsh. So certainly Stewart's a, a tremendous tremendous player. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's a great great nomination. And Mister Walsh, if you're out there listening somewhere, you have been nominated. To the Hall of Fame. All right, Stephen, is there anything else you'd like to talk about and get into before we uh, say, you know, Jero on scale tonight? What? Before we say what? <laughs> Jero on scale. It's a Gaelic phrase for end of the story.
2: I love that. I, I well, first of all, I want to say that I need to learn that phrase.
0: <laughs> Gale. Um, we'll
2: we'll talk we'll talk at the end uh, so I could pick that up. But no, the really the the thing I want to say is I'm super thankful for you guys making this podcast. I've listened to them and they're it's so enjoyable to listen to them because it does has a completely different flavor from just about any podcast I've listened to. And that's not a knock on any other podcast I've, i I listen to a lot of them, and they're all great in their own ways. but I'm really thankful that you guys are making this one, um, the way that you're making it and the timing is perfect. And what you guys have started to do with the tournament that you're running is amazing. Um, so I'm thankful that you guys, uh, are doing what you're doing and that you'll let me come on and hang out with
0: you. For oh, a bit. our pleasure. Our, our pleasure. Our, our hopeful hope is to like celebrate not only the history of the game, but the players who play it and everybody's got their own take. And you've certainly got a voice in the community and, uh, hopefully we're giving you a chance to let it. Proclaim from the hilltops, so to speak. <laughs> you know. Well, thank you for having me on because it's been it's been a lot of fun. Oh, our great, great, great pleasure. And uh, again, if anybody wants to know where to find your videos, I've got a link in the show notes. But it's DM Armada, and if you're new to the game, I highly, highly, highly recommend you go and check these out because you will learn how to play the game by watching your videos. Well, thank you. All right. Well then, I, I say a slangafold fold to you now, and your uh, on scale. Oh my goodness! Keep repeating these
2: things so I can learn them quick. Someone record this, and I'll, oh wait, you're doing that. Never mind. I can just listen back.
1: Uh, you'll, you'll. If you live in this house, you'll get sick of them eventually. <laughs>
2: okay. Well, I, I don't plan on living there anytime soon. But if, if my luck turns, then I look forward
0: to getting sick of them. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, my galore. Well, thank you, Steven. Puzzle time. Time for the solution to last episode's puzzle. This week
1: we have two super sleuths. The first is Michael Werner from Mike's Comics and Games in New Baltimore,
0: Michigan. On the north end of Lake St. Clair. And if you're hankering to roll in Michigan, check him out. And the second super sleuth who went the extra mile and beyond was Reg Sims from Dice Masters in the Great North with Reg and Kim, who kindly made a YouTube video walking people through the solution. So we're not going to steal his thunder. That's right. And if you want to see the answer for yourself, roll on over to RolandThunder.xyz forward slash 106solution, all one word, or click on the link in the show notes. And while you're there, take a look at Reg and Kim's awesome YouTube library. <laughs> My galore, Lucan, we've done it again. <laughs> Buenas, Lygia. <laughs> Come back again in a fortnight, folks. See ya. Sláinte Well, that's the end of turn five, my friends, and it's time for the final clear. We hoped you enjoyed today's show. You can find us at RolandThunder.xyz without a G or an apostrophe where you'll discover all the links necessary to listen or subscribe to the show. You can also reach us by email at Arge or Lucan at Our theme music was created by Jesse Wiener. We're in no way affiliated with WizKids, other than we love and celebrate the game of Dice Masters. So keep on rolling, Nar Lagajia the Lao. We'll be talking again in two weeks' time with another guest. So stay tuned. Enough said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so i was we were just like oh you know this york guy always talking online and whatnot you know and then finally after we came back from hacks right we saw i looked on the discord and i saw a picture of you eating ice cream It was posted under Yort And I was like oh my god Yort is Troy And then I, came out, I was like you've been asking Who is this Yort guy Yort is Troy and my mom looks over and she's like Duh it's just Troy spelled backwards And I'm like oh It like, never occurred
0: to me either of us That Troy was Yort It was just too complex a handle
2: <laughs> I did that right, right there That should have been recorded I don't know why we wasted that
0: wonderful story For a non-recorded segment that, We've that got would- it on backup. Right? Mm-hmm. I do actually have that on backup. So there we are. We have it.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I did that when I was a young kid, and my friends never let me forget it.